This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome to Real Presence Live. I'm Chris Bergwald. And I am Emily Leadham. And those numbers, what do those numbers mean, Emily? Those numbers, you mean that ringtone, is that what you're saying? The ringtone. That ringtone means that it is time for Straight Talk. I love this segment. I think it's so helpful. We accept calls um, from all over our our listening area um, with questions of faith that can be uh, from non-Catholics, from Catholics, um, wherever you're at in your journey. No question is too big or too small uh, for the brilliant minds that we have here in the studio (laughs) this morning. We are here with um, Father Sean Hegarty, pastor at St. Lambert Parish. Welcome, Father. Good morning. Welcome to St. Lambert Parish. We love having you here. And he's got books on the table, he, so he is he ready to go. He brought his catechism. He brought his Bible. Of course, it's on my head. And my Father. bottle of water. And your bottle of and water. And my orange. And your phone. And I have my don't, wonderful don't, parishioner, uh, Chris yeah. Bergwall. He, he comes to church at St. Lambert. We, I'm so excited to have him here, too, with us. Yeah. This is actually really, really fun because both of you carry such expertise. You bring such expertise to uh, the faith, wow. to questions of faith. And so uh, you like how I'm building you up? Get yeah. The, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No yeah. pressure. No pressure, boys. Father grabbed me before Mass yesterday, Sunday morning, uh, and said, so tomorrow we're going to answer all the questions that anybody has, and then Jesus is going to return because that means the end of time. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's right. Because we perfectly answered. Perfectly there's, answered nothing there's nothing to left to be unturned. <laughs> yeah. So get oh, ready. The second great. coming should happen within the next 30 minutes. That's great. So, And if you do have a question, you can call in. You can reach us by phone at 877 uh, Okay, fine. Ready? Okay. Area code 877 If you're just hearing that for the first time, we're not wow. crazy. <laughs> I like that. That's fun. Isn't that so fun? I feel like wow. I feel like anytime I listen uh, to radio and they tell me the number one time, I'm like, I missed it. I need it a billion times. So we decided to make a little jingle to uh, what's the actual? <laughs> I don't don't confuse people now. I, no, 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 I, now no, the no, only no, no, now I no. know it so well now yep. that the only number I can think of is real presence. It's so. an oldie song, um, but we're somebody we're screaming we're it at their radio it for, right now. It's seven 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 nine five zero seven nine five zero one two two. So, Father, today is uh, you just celebrated mass here at the parish. Yes, Saint Agnes today. Saint Agnes, um, and I was saying to Emily, you know, there's that beautiful tradition in Rome. Uh, do you know of the tradition in Rome? Yes, Father? they bring all the sheep in in, yep. in the Piazza Navona, yep. uh, the square there, and all the sheep are brought in, and they're ready to shear them. Why? Because they're going to take all that that wool and make polyums, which go around the archbishops uh, on the feast of Saints Peter and Paul in June. Nice. Yeah. You nailed that, Father. Boom. What? My pastor, ladies and gentlemen. I have never heard Seriously, of this in this my is, life. Yeah, no. so so Piazza Navona is one of the famous squares in Rome and and, and that be why great ice cream by the way. <laughs> well, that's, Gelato. That, that's everywhere in Rome. So cool. Um, Which, Piazza Navona has got the best. But one. but there's is the that church. Where the or the um, Oh, what's the name? Sorry, go ahead. That's not important. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a church of St. Agnes in Piazza Navona. Um, so that's why on on this day, um, January what is today? January 21st. Yeah. January 21st. Uh, the Feast of Satanists. These lambs are brought in that are sh- shorn. They're shorn to, for the wool, for the pallium, which is something that archbishops. So an archbishop. What is a pallium? It, it, it's, it's a part of a vestment, right, Father? Yeah, it's part of a vestment. It's probably about uh, maybe about two inches wide, and it it's, uh, goes around the neck, and it's almost like a, 
kind of like a ne- think of like a really big necktie that <laughs> uh, has both ends on it. One goes down the back and one goes down the front, and then it has it's one big circle that goes around the head, and it's all about two inches in width, and uh, it has it's all made out of that wool. And it's, what does it symbolize? It's a symbolization of really the authority of the archbishop. So whenever a new archbishop is is made, uh, he's given an apollium by the Holy Father. And these polyums are actually set down right by the bones of St. Peter. Mm-hmm. So after they're made, they're, they're down there by the bones of St. Peter for a long time. And then uh, on the feasts of St. Peter and Paul, that's when they take the polyums out and they have the, the mass with, with, with the Pope and the Pope will put the polyum on them. So in a sense of them being the archbishops, they have a lot of authority wherever they're at as, as archbishops, not just a bishop. Okay, the so the, yeah, so, so we're so, t- talking specifically about archbishops, correct. not yep. just. So okay. usually they're they're head of a, uh, a metropolitan, so uh, they're in charge of a region of bishops, and so as a sign of the Holy Father's authority given to that archbishop, uh, the polyum is given to them. So, in, in for most of our listeners, most of our listeners live in what's called Province Eight, Minnesota um, and North and South Dakota, the ten dioceses in those three states. And our metropolitan archbishop is the Archbishop of Saint Paul, Minneapolis. Minneapolis. So, Archbishop Hebda, again, Archbishop Hebda, is the he doesn't have authority over the Bishop of Sioux Falls or Fargo or Rapid City or Saint Cloud or whatever. But there is an honorary title. He has a sort of an honorary primacy, if mm-hmm, you will. Mm-hmm. So he can't tell other bishops in the province what to do, but he has looked to as sort of the older brother, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, obviously with like the scandals in the church, I know they're kind of looking at, you know, can that metropolitan have some kind Correct. of uh, jurisdiction or, or is kind of like an appeals place to go for uh, a local diocese, maybe if they want to uh, bring some kind of accusation with the bishop they they would send it up to the archbishop there the metropolitan there yep. so mm-hmm. kind of a, that's kind of a practical uh on the minds of people kind of a day today mm-hmm. uh situation where you would find that happening exactly mm-hmm. yep. so if you're just tuning in you're listening to real presence live this is straight talk we have both father sean Haggerty and chris bergwald my co-host here to answer your questions of faith this morning um you can ask those questions by calling in at 877-795-0122 or you can ask those questions on facebook um on the real presence uh facebook page where we've got people there ready to take your questions um Regarding the bishops, I would be. I would love to talk a little bit about the ad limina. Yeah. Um, what? Okay. First of all, what is that? Where does it come from? Uh, who all goes? Who all attends? And what's yep. the purpose? These these bishops meeting with the Holy Father well, and going Rome. going back to that region. It's really the bishops of the region, and even a little bit more than that. But every five years, the ad limina theoretically is, is ad limina means Latin, which means like to the threshold. <laughs> theoretically, is that because Rome is on their own time? Well, it's take, it's more like seven or eight years now. Okay. Yeah, it's ad limina apostolorum actually to the threshold of the apostles. It's kind of like coming up to the 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 threshold like where you cross over a door, right? Yep, yep, exactly. So they're coming to the threshold of the door of Saint Peter and. And the checking in, basically making sure unity, because that's what the Holy Father's ultimate main role is, is, is unity in the church. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that's really what he's called to do. And that's what he, having all the bishops come, that they can have that sense of unity. And they'll, and they'll talk to, uh, the, the Holy Father will talk to them about different issues that they're facing in their region. And uh, he can give advice and, and talk and just make sure that we're all uh, unified on different uh, aspects of the faith and different topics. And, and uh, new questions that arise that maybe have not uh, been seen in history yet, which we all know there's plenty of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the, the truth of the faith ultimately always remains. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's just really an opportunity for for the bishops to check in with the Holy Father. They also meet with the different they're called congregations and dicasteries, basically the different offices within Rome to sort of report on this is what's been going on in our my diocese in our region. Um, just to sort of check in and and sometimes they get some helpful feedback on, on yeah. maybe things that need to, they need to be attentive to. Yeah, there's a long page report. Oh, it's like eighty pages. It's, it's a long report. Yeah, yeah. yeah so you've has, having been former vocations director in our diocese, you've um, help, helped uh, as Emily and I have helped put together that report. Yes, yes. And uh, so there's they have the report. They look at the report. And interestingly enough, you know, last night we had uh, Bishop Swain's retirement party. All of us priests, deacons, and their wives, we How got was together. That? It was wonderful. It yeah. really was. It was. It was a very simple evening. The bishop said, I don't want it to be about me. I don't want it to be about me. I, I want it to be about all of the priests and deacons that I've been able to serve with and, and be with and that were, you know, obedient to me underneath me being their, their bishop and whatnot. And mm-hmm. So it was really, really nice. And, and uh, Father Simple from Holy Spirit is the vicar general. He led everyone kind of uh he kind of was the MC for the night sure and uh it was just a wonderful evening and uh, a good time of fellowship and prayer and and uh the bishop he didn't get really emotional or anything you know and and uh which is which was just you know I think he's kind of he's been prepared for quite some time now to right. yeah. to, to, to retire and he's going to be uh on resurrection drive uh <laughs> <laughs> is that really his address That's his- we probably shouldn't announce that. So, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. So house but, number to be unnamed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So he's. Uh, but one of the interesting things about Bishop is that he sent uh, uh, our Bishop elect Donald DeGrood to go to the Ad Limina visit. So Bishop Swain very rightly could have gone to the Ad Limina, right. but uh, he sent our, our Bishop elect Donald DeGrood uh, to go and to be uh, at the Ad Limina visit, which I thought was an awesome thing, a great thing for him. What better place for him to? Meet a lot of his other brother bishops in the in the region, the area, and have some time with him as yes. he enters into this. Yeah, it, it, enters into this exactly. Kind of sure. cultivate those friendships, those relationships, and mm-hmm. and he can have someone to go talk to and visit to as well. And and uh, so it's just a wonderful thing that the bishop allowing Bishop Donald or DeGrood elect uh, to uh, to go and uh, to do that. So. Uh- Although I do think that that would be a little bit intimidating. A little bit so of a go, hard job. Go yeah. report on this diocese that, that you're you've not never, yet. Yeah, that you've never worked with <laughs> to this point. Yeah, I thought the same thing. What a what a good challenge for him. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So. Well, you're listening to Real Presence Live. We're um, here with Straight Talk with Father Sean Haggerty and Dr. Chris Bergwald. We do have a, a listener question. Um, the listener is going through the Book of Moses, or excuse me, the Book of Exodus, mm-hmm. and he's at the part where Moses encounters the Lord. And the Lord is asking Moses um, to go and speak to the people and then to Pharaoh. Um, but Moses keeps on making excuses <laughs> for why he cannot do what the Lord is asking. Does that not sound familiar? Hmm. Um, I think we were yeah. just talking about that earlier. Yeah, yeah. That whole disobedience thing. Delayed obedience delayed or delayed. Obedience. Yeah, delayed obedience is actually disobedience. Um, and then says the anger of the Lord was kindled. Um, what does that mean? Did God actually get angry how how can we kind of understand this and, yeah. and and a bit more broadly too i think the old testament offers several times where we see the wrath of god yep. how can we Jealous understand god. that yeah. yeah yeah so a uh, big multisyllabic word out of the gate uh, anthropomorphism Anthropomorphism. Anthropo so, what? Anthropomorphism, Father Could you, uh, could you spell that, please? <coughs> no, that's for our listeners. N-T-H-R-O-P. No, uh, I'm done there. So <laughs> what often happens in the Old Testament, God relates to us on our level. Um, so God himself, because he is perfect, 
um, he does not experience emotion, at least in the way that we understand it. Uh, that, that, so, so God is always full of love. Um, he rejoices, but he does not experience anger or jealousy or wrath, at least in the, in the sense that we understand. It. And yet, Father, so often in the Old Testament, as Emily said, we read that. So what's the deal with that? Well, that's, that's God in his revelation to us, relating to us um, and speaking to us on our level. So when we read um, the anger of the Lord was kindled, the listener's question, what, what does that mean? I think it, it means that God doesn't want us to do what we're doing, disobeying him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's speaking to us in a way that we would understand. I mean, if, if, if the Old Testament, the Old Testament is hard enough as it is, if it were written to be completely philosophically correct instead of in a poetic uh, way, that nobody would ever read it because mm-hmm. uh, it'd, be, it'd be too dense and hard to relate to. Uh, but God speaks to us in a way that we can understand. Father, what, what do you think? Do you have anything to add to that? Well, I'm just looking at the scripture <clears throat> passages. This is... Uh, you know, Exodus chapter 4 is really what it's talking about. And, you know, God's calling Moses. And, and like you said, he's just being a disobedient. And uh, just like a parent, uh, you know, who would become angry with their child, not because they hate their child or whatnot, but, but obviously they're doing something they're not supposed to be doing. So right. they become angry with that. And I got, a, I got a little dog, Lambert, and when he's not listening, I, be, I become angry sometimes. You know? <laughs> Maybe you, you could hear him barking in the background here. But, uh, but yeah, there's that reality of, of, of being obedient and listening to the Lord. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of different things in the Old Testament there, too, where, you know, did, did God, you know, why did he let Pharaoh's heart be, become hardened? Or well, why is God becoming angry now here and whatnot? And, and a lot of it has to deal with just that reality of, you know, we're not listening to what God's calling us to. Um, you know, uh, anthropomorphism, as you said, uh, that's just that reality. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So so I think that's the bottom line, listeners, uh, if when we read God being angry, he's not literally angry, but he's speaking. If 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 he he's speaking to us in a way that we can understand, so he's expressing his disapproval in a way that we get. Does that make Emily? Does that make sense? Yeah. To you? And here's a bit of a follow up question that I think um, is is really common. How do we read the Old Testament more broadly? So I, I definitely understand what you're saying that um, you know that he's speaking to us in a language that we can understand. You know, we understand anger and that kind of thing. But I think there's this tendency sometimes to for for me to read the Old Testament <coughs> on its own, yeah. where it it actually needs to be done in light of the New Testament. So yeah. can you just talk a little bit about that? I, I think what I the, the the first thing to remember this is true about all of Scripture. Frankly, um, the Bible is 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 a library of documents. So like Bishop Barron once in one of his podcasts said, you know, w- would you take the would you take the library literally? Well, it depend what section of the library you were oh, talking about. Oh, yeah. interesting. So um, we don't take all of the Psalms literally because they're they're hymns, they're poems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but we take the, the the books of history in the Old Testament literally. Um, we re- take other parts of Scripture of the Old Testament literally, and it is one book. So as you were saying, Emily, we have to read it in light, old in light of the new, new in light of the old, mm-hmm. and all together the two testaments complete one. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes, to be honest, the other thing. Because the Old Testament is so sometimes so archaic or or hard to understand, we just want to jump justice right to the gospel. Justice emphasized, I right. think sometimes exactly. is how yes. I think about it. It's it's about justice. Yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. You know, one thing just to keep in mind too. I was just looking in the Catechism. The Catholic Catechism of the Catholic Church is a wonderful document to look at uh, to answer a lot Amen. of your questions. Uh, different sections, but I'm looking back here just in the glossary and looking at the word anger. 
It says anger is an emotion that is it's in itself is not wrong. Right. It's not. It's not. There's nothing wrong with being angry. It's it, when it becomes uncontrollable anger, and it gets the better of us. And you think about Jesus. He was angry at the uh, the tax the different money changers at the entrance of the temple, and he flipped over their tables, etc. Right. You know. So there can be a righteous anger. Absolutely. Um, with regards to all that. So just to kind of keep that in mind, and that would definitely be God would definitely have righteous anger where, because when you read that uh, Exodus chapter four. God does different little miracles for Moses, saying, "Hey, I'm going to take care of you. Here's your staff. Throw it down, or what? I'm going to make it bloom, or whatnot." And and uh, and he still says, "Oh, I don't know. You know, I, I I'm not sure. You know, have someone else speak for me." And yep. Mm-hmm. And God's like, "You know, I've I've sh- I've shown you ample evidence that you, that you sh- should trust me," and uh, and yet he still persisted. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's nothing wrong with anger. It's just when it becomes uncontrollable. That's right. right God right. could have smote Moses there, but he didn't. He didn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you're just tuning in, this is Real Presence Live. We're here answering your questions of faith with Dr. Chris Bergwald and Father Sean Haggerty. You can call in with your questions, uh, 877-795-0122. That's 877 nice Thank you very much. Uh, we do have another question um, kind of uh, along the lines of reading Scripture. So this is, I, I get, I hear this question all the time, actually. So I love that they're asking it. Uh, if someone were to sit down to read the Bible saying, okay, new, it's a new year. Uh, my resolution this year is to read the Bible. Where the heck do I start? Um, what do you recommend to individuals who are just, um, you know, that maybe have read pieces of the Bible at different times? The but Great are kind of Adventure Bible Study by Jeff Cavins. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that again. The Great Adventure Bible Study by Jeff Cavins. It wonderful. is a, a wonderful, wonderful resource. And what he does is he takes all the books, books in the Bible. He all addressed, 73 books. Yep. He addresses this very question. And I think it's either, either 10 or 12 books. 14. 14 books. And he basically says, okay, let's actually read a narrative uh, of the Bible and look at 14 books that go through the whole the whole timeline, the whole story of the Bible. And all these other books are more supplementary to kind of put in that timeline. But if you want to have a timeline that kind of puts everything in context, because we, we learn and we memorize things kind of according to timeline. Mm-hmm. And if you have 14 books that, that really keep that timeline as best as, as, as it can, uh, it really is a great way to understand the Bible. And, uh, and this uh, Great Adventure Bible Study as well has um, different videos and classes you can do. We actually did it here at St. Lambert Parish in this very room that we're at uh, just less than a year ago. And uh, it was a wonderful uh, opportunity for young, people, for young and old to, uh, to really learn more about scriptures and, and have it come alive and really um, see all the New Testament in light of the old. Emily talked about that earlier Connecting the dots. Yeah, there. reading the whole scriptures together. And, uh, you know, St. Uh, Jerome, who translated the Bible uh, into the Latin back in the late 300s, and uh, he's the first one to really do that, translate the Latin from its original, or translate the Bible from its original, original language into the language of the people at the time, which was Latin. Um, he knew the scriptures very, very well, and he's quoted to say, ignorance of scriptures, ignorance of Christ. Amen. And we think, well, what's he talking about? What, what, what uh, commentary or what book of the Bible is he talking about when he writes this ignorance of Scripture, ignorance of Christ? It's not the New Testament. It's actually the book of Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet. He says, if you really want to know who Jesus is, you read that book of the prophet Isaiah because uh, there's so many foreshadowing, so many uh, uh, prophecies of who he is and, and who he is, this man who is to come. And uh, so, yeah, so really the Great Adventure Bible Study by Jeff Cavins, hands down, is the great, and there's even Bibles that actually 
uh, you can buy at the mustard seed here in town and uh, it's actually got color coding markers so each book of the Bible it, it has a color code at the edge of, of one of the 14 periods uh, in in the uh, in the history uh, of, of of really biblical history and if your if your parish doesn't do the Great Adventure Bible Timeline studies, or or you're not real comfortable with the internet and so on, there is a book version of the studies called Walking with God, co-authored by Jeff Cavins and Tim Gray, actually. Ooh. Um, so if you can read that and then read the corresponding uh, chapters uh, or books of the Bible to get that sense. My husband is going through yeah, a program with you, Chris, called Equip, um, really focusing on <coughs> building up lay leaders in the church, and th- that was his favorite book. I think mm. that you've had. The them read so far. I learned a lot just from him sharing with right. me. So, what was the name of that book again? Walking with God. Walking with God yeah. by Jeff Cavins and Tim Gray. Yeah, you know, I actually had both those as teachers at one time. Oh yeah, you studied in uh, well, St. Paul. Well, in St. Paul, we actually had Jeff Cavins come in, and he it was when the Bible timeline just came out. This is this is a little while ago now, almost twenty years ago. But uh, but yeah, he was he came in and he you're we, old. I know. <laughs> we, had, we, had, we had the whole weekend. And he was there going through the whole Bible study. He was so pumped about it. And it's still going strong. I mean, 20 years later, it just, uh, mm-hmm. it's really a great gift given to us in the church. It, it, it's a tremendous gift, and it's only going to continue on and, and continue to grow stronger. People become more and more aware of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then Dr. Tim Gray, I had him out in Denver for four years, too. So he's a, a wonderful scripture scholar. And uh, so what a great book. Yeah, it's a great book. Another question that just came in. I think this is really appropriate. Uh, where you know we're in January, the start of a new year. Uh, a lot of people are looking at uh, New Year's resolutions. We kind of mentioned that earlier. A, l- a listener question: um, I'd really like to grow in my faith this year. Uh, any ideas of other things to do to help me to grow? So we just obviously talked for a while about scripture, reading scripture. What other ideas do you guys have um, to really help uh, an individual grow in their Catholic faith? Pray every day. Pray every day. What if I don't know how to do that? How to help me start? Ooh. Well, I would say the, the biggest thing is is not know how. It's be, being consistent and and showing up every day. And really, you know, I got Receiving. this catechism of the Catholic Church here, and the fourth section of it. There's only four sections, and it's really just the Our Father. That's all it is. Even though it's like 200 some odd pages long, some people would actually say, actually, to, to, to kind of blend those two, to take the fourth section of the Catechism, which is on prayer and focus on the Our Father, and that to read that um, as formation for what prayer is. Yeah, no, I would definitely agree. You know so, that. so maybe to take your idea, Father, to pray, read the Catechism, the part in prayer, uh, but then pray the Our Father, if nothing else, every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I know. And, you know, it really, it's, it, it quotes St. Therese of Lisieux at the very beginning. It says, for me, prayer is a surge of the heart. She asks, well, I don't know how to pray. How do I pray? For me, prayer is a surge of the heart. It is a simple look turned toward heaven. It is a cry of recognition and of love, embracing both trial and joy. It sounds kind of pious or whatnot, but it's a surge of the heart. It's a, a look towards heaven. Mm-hmm. And what is that? It means I have need. I have need, and I know I realize I can't fill it. Everyone's so busy, you know. I have need. I, I need to get this done, or I need to get that done, or I need to be better at this. I need to lose weight, or I need to become holier. All these things, and they try to figure it all out themselves. Well, why don't we take a simple surge of the heart? Say, Lord, I have this need. This is within me. I, and I look towards heaven, and Lord, help me. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. really what prayer is. It's it's really realizing that God is God. And we're not, and that we we all have need, and we all, and that we can't satisfy on our own. 
we have to turn to heaven. We have to turn to the Lord Amen. to do that. And so to stop and to pray and to just talk to God. I, I love talking to God in the morning of, Lord, you know what? Thank you for this morning. I just, I'm just so thankful because uh, one of the first moments of prayer, thankful just, just to be here with you, to be here with you in the silence. Mm-hmm. And I think so from that, I think sometimes can come a recognition or desire that, you know, I, I, I as I seek to pray, grow in relationship with God, I want to know him more. And this is to me where the understanding, the knowledge can come in. But when I love God more in relationship with him in prayer, um, it's helpful to learn more about him. Just like um, Emily, you and I are married. When we met... Not to each other. Yes. To be clear. <laughs> uh, when we... Don't... Okay. Focus, Chris. Jeez Louise. Yeah. Um, when we met our spouses, not each other, uh, we we got to know them and we fell in love mm-hmm. with them. So I think out of, out of that prayer sometimes can come recognition. I, I need to get to know God and what he's revealed more. We just talked about scripture. Father, you talked about the catechism, but there's all sorts of great studies um, to the listener's question. Studies that are online, formed.org, Ascension Press, as many other things. But books, I mean, if, if you're blessed to have uh, a Catholic bookstore, like in the Sioux Falls area, we have the mustard seed. Um, but but online invest in your faith we talked earlier about emily's podcast mine catholic radio invest in your faith in terms of understanding why does the church teach what she teach what god has revealed to us he wants to transform our lives to make us more loving more patient that's what what it means to be holy so spend time invest in relationship with him in prayer uh, but then invest in your understanding of him you know, I have to laugh. There's psychological evidence that shows that we're most like the five people that we spend the most time with. We become like the people we spend time with. And I think all the time, I become like the stuff that I consume. So if I'm watching uh, right. silly things on Netflix or whatever, I actually start to become like them. Where if I'm reading good things, if I'm surrounding myself with good people, if I'm um, you know feeding my mind with good resources, strong, solid resources, it actually elevates me to become more like them and I think that that for me has been a major source of growth in in my own journey is finding uh, a community of people that are walking in the same direction and really investing in those relationships having small groups getting together listening you know I just started a women's group we listen to a podcast together and come together after our kids go to bed for an hour talk about it, pray, and go home and go to bed. And mm-hmm. it's been extraordinarily beautiful to have these conversations, these really edifying places in which um, you know, I'm becoming more like the things that I'm consuming, which I think has been a, a really great source of growth for, for me, for my family, that kind of thing, Amen. which has been great. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think um, there's a motivational speaker, I can't remember his name right now, but he said, 10 years from now, you'll be different based on the people who you know and the books that you've read. Oh, yeah. So same kind of thing that you yeah. were just saying about, like, yeah. what have I surrounded myself? How have I fed myself yeah. intellectually, spiritually, and so on? Yeah. What are you reading right now? Uh uh, Cardinal, it looks like Sarah, Cardinal uh, Sarah's book, The Day is Far Spent, which is just mm. an amazing, Father, have you read it? Or, I've seen it, I'm not, I've not read it yet. Though. That, that pretty much describes my life when it comes to book. I've seen that book, but I haven't <laughs> read it. <laughs> Someday I will be as holy as my bookshelf might lead one to believe. Amen. Uh, it's a fantastic book that he wrote last year. It's sort of an interview book, but um, he gives long answers to the interviews que- interviewer's questions. Um, and it's really just about responding to the challenges in the church at this time. And his biggest thing for all of us, but he, he, he highlights bishops and priests as well. And this dovetails with what you just f- said, Father. We need to spend time in prayer and adoration. 
and the, the more so the reform the renewal of the church will not come because of my program or the, the programs that we do but because of our holiness as yeah. laymen and women as bishops as priests as religious mm-hmm. yeah that's it's definitely true and that's kind of what's coming to me a lot in prayer of just being pastor of the parish of you know we having more eucharistic adoration we have that every thursday here and for advent on sunday evenings we we do advent adoration for an hour with with benediction and an evening prayer and uh just that and it was really really just good kind of peaceful just to just to be with the lord and just to pray with the lord and so i think we have so many opportunities there's so many things out there we've kind of forgot the most important and that's just to, to be still and know that i'm god amen you know just to be with the lord and i love that be still mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. thanks father for being with us today oh it's my pleasure this is so wonderful <laughs> It, what a gift. It's, it's, yes, it's, it's great so, to be here at my home parish broadcast viewer presence live. We love having you, Chris. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true father. Right? Exactly. That was wonderful. Exactly. That was a moment. So there we go. Well, we, we, I think we answered hopefully the questions that came in well, and we'll be back for more another time. All right. God bless. And, and everyone else, take it easy in January. It's a tough month. Amen. It's a tough month. God loves you. Yes. Amen. Th- thanks, Father. Thank you to all those who wrote in with your questions. Just a reminder that this segment is on at 9.30 Central every Monday through Friday. Up next, a farewell from Bishop Paul Swain, our beloved bishop here for many years in the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Bishop Swain will share some of his favorite memories and talk about what's next for him in retirement. Later in the show, the importance of spending time together as a married couple. Yes, just because you're married doesn't mean you can stop dating. We're broadcasting live from St. Lambert Parish. I am Chris Bergwald. I'm Emily Leadham. Stay tuned for more Real Presence Live.